What's up, everybody? This is Alexis, and you're listening to the Power to Be Show podcast. When the worship service is over, what do you do? Many of us go to church every week, and some go periodically, but worship is not a one-day event. It's in everything you do, including while working throughout the week. On the Power to Be show, we are showing people every week the impact of recognizing how God impacts every aspect of your life. Dive in each week as Dr. Bird, who was both a pastor and professor, chats with various entrepreneurs and leaders in the community. This week, we have Pastor Maurice Johnson, lead pastor of Roanoke Baptist Church here in West Palm Beach. He is not only a pastor, but also a husband, recently celebrating 21 years of marriage and the father of three. Before I turn it over to the host, I'd like to thank this episode sponsor, Roanoke Baptist Church, located at 1320 Douglas Avenue, West Palm Beach, Florida, 33401. And their worship service starts at 10 a.m. every Sunday. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, leave a comment on the episode, and share with your circle. If you want to take it a step further and become a sponsor, send us a message. We all have the power to be. Now here is our host, Dr. Terrell Bird. Welcome to another episode of the Power to Be Show. Be creative, be connected, and be courageous. Worship does not stop on Sunday. Alexis, we are just delighted to be back again for another episode of Power to Be. I'm really uh, excited tonight because we have one of my my former students, uh, and to be able to see him matriculate and do so well in the program of academic and growing, uh, not only intellectually but spiritually. And so, I am just happy to welcome Maurice Johnson. Pastor Maurice Johnson to the Power to Be show. It's good to have you, and it's good to see you. Thank you, Dr. Burden. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, it's so, so good to have you. Look, what I've been doing with most of my guests is talking to them about the work in which not only they do, but their congregants do, and how God informs them in the work they do. So in other words, I talk about the integration of faith and work. Mm-hmm. But I have been of lately focused on talking to pastors about their journey because it's always intriguing to me to hear pastors tell their story <laughs> from, from whence they've come. Now, I know God has laid his hands on you, so that's the first thing. Exactly, yes. But <laughs> that's the first thing. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. But what I'd like to do is to introduce you to our audience who are listening in and watching and tell them who uh, Maurice Johnson is. So talk a little bit about your your upbringing, where you come from, and uh, then we'll jump into the ministry part of it. All right. Okay. Well, um, I'm Maurice Johnson, of course. Mm-hmm. I'm a product of the West Palm Beach area, a native son. Mm-hmm. I matriculated through the school system here in Palm Beach County, 
um, Roosevelt Elementary School, Roosevelt Junior High, okay. Palm Beach Lakes High School. Um, I'm just all so Mr. Palm are, Beach. You are a Mr. <laughs> Palm Beach. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tried to leave here at one time after co- uh, high school to go on to college and mm-hmm. had to return uh, for uh, medical reasons with mm-hmm. my grandmother. Okay. And so um, stayed Mr. Palm Beach because okay. I matriculated uh, in higher learning at Palm Beach Atlantic mm-hmm. University. Mm-hmm. Got my undergrad there several years ago. Mm-hmm. And then recently... Um, finish my graduate work right. with my master of divinity. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm I'm just excited about the fact that you have made not only this your home, but you have been able to impact the place where you're from. And that's that's it's one thing to grow up here. You know, a lot of times people grow yeah, up yeah. and they got to get out. <laughs> get out and get gone. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. But for you to be able to plant yourself here and then make a difference uh doing what God has called you to do in this place. One of the things that I'd like to talk about is in your work as a a young man growing up in West Palm Beach, what was it about this area that perhaps may have shaped you or moved you in the direction of your faith? What was it about? Was it your your upbringing? Did your parents and or what was it the environment like for you here? Well, I'm I'm fourth generation. Okay, uh, here in, in West Palm, so we have deep roots here. Wow. The sense of community. Okay. Um, my grandmother's contemporaries were uh, people like Mrs. Louise Bowie, okay. who was a champion for civil rights. Actually, she's my godmother. Okay. Um, she's right. passed on, but she was also a member of our church, okay. the church that I pastor now. Um, educators like Mr. U.B. Kinsey. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah. So those were the role models, so yeah. to speak, that I yeah. saw. Yeah. But the thing was, they were not just community leaders. They were also leaders in their churches. Okay. And so church was at the center of the black community Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. during those days. Um, Just about, well, even now, there's a church on every corner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we had what were neighborhood churches Mm -hmm. um, where I grew up. I could um, stand in the living room window and see the lights on at yeah. my home church. Yeah. 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 So um, I always saw my pastor coming and going Okay. Uh, during the day, during the evening. Um, my home, my family home is basically sandwiched between my home church and the church I pastor now. Okay. 13th and 14th street. And so there was not, um, a lot of activity. Mm-hmm. We grew up in church. We, a lot of us developed gifts that we had. Right. You know, through, gifts, through, through church. Through church. Yeah. Singing in the choir yeah. has produced, you know this, yeah. a lot of our uh, known yeah. popular singers yeah, even now. Yeah. And so uh, church was just at the heart of it. That's yeah. what we did. Yeah, yeah. We went to school during the week. Yeah. And we went to church on the weekend. Right, right. I, I think it's fascinating to me as I hear you talk about uh, those sages, those those older members that poured into you, and I and it 
So I, I know that it was also during a time, because I know a little bit of the history of West Palm Beach and mm-hmm. Palm Beach, that race played a tremendous factor. So the odds were against most people of color Certainly. during that time. Certainly. Um, so, so to have people who are interested in education mm-hmm. pouring into you. That's so who were, I mean, you mentioned some and was it that their example, uh, you said you watched them, you watched the pastor coming and going to church. Well, that had to be a kind of inspiration to you or, I mean, what, what did that do mean to you watching these, these sages? Um, Particularly during a time when there was so much against them. I mean, yes. Yeah. And and that was the inspiration. Okay. To see them excel mm-hmm. amidst all the challenges mm-hmm. and against a lot of opposition. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And to hear the stories. I often say I was blessed to not be raised by uh my mother's generation. She would have been the recipient of the progress made okay. through the civil rights struggle. Okay. But I was raised by the generation who went through the civil rights struggle. Okay. Uh, as I mentioned, Mrs. Bowie, Bowie and, and yeah. uh, Mr. Kinsey. Yeah, yeah. He was responsible for bringing Thurgood Marshall here mm. um, to, you know, deal with some legal sure, uh, issues. Sure. With uh, black teachers getting equal pay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so to even hear those stories right. that I know people who actually yeah, knew, you, you know Thurgood Marshall. Who you know. lived the, yeah. the civil rights. Right, yeah, right. Yeah. And, and, and Mrs. Bowie was the um, NAACP president for like 30 years. Wow. Uh, wow. From the 50s into the 80s. Yeah. And I would hear her talk about Harry T. Moore and his wife and they would sit at her dinner table. Yeah. You know, wow. and these are civil rights icons. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Nelson T. Smith mm-hmm. um, out of um, Alabama. Yeah, He was known to come to the Roanoke Church and preach revival wow. because uh, my predecessor, L.J. Alford, was a champion for civil rights here in West Palm also. Okay. okay. Uh, he led a lot of movements to integrate the lunch counters. Mm-hmm. So I grew up with that social justice Yeah kind of mantra yeah 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 and so yeah and um, a lot of history i mean just what a lot not only those people but those churches I yes, mean, yes. Uh, i know tabernacle tabernacle was one yeah. during those days um dr johnny k bryant was there okay uh he he was a two-term pastor <laughs> two-term <Yeah. huh? laughs> he left and came back with some more <laughs> God bless his soul. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) There's a star in heaven for him. Yeah. 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 But so some of the older and historical, I know Tabernacles are historical. Now, Roanoke, now, was the is that the mother church of another church or had it come out of another church? Because many of these churches were born. Most of them did. Yeah. Okay. Um, As far as we know, um, Roanoke did not come from a particular church. There were a couple of families that moved into the area. Okay. And they were churchmen. Um, they were known builders of churches and organizers. Okay. Um, now, 
the church was was organized, we we will be celebrating our centennial next year. Okay. So, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Been around, bro. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah. I think the mother churches here would be Tabernacle and Payne Chapel. Yeah. They're yeah. both about 130. 100. Yeah, yeah. I just, yeah. Uh, I think I just, they. I did a preaching um, for Tabernacle's 129 or something like that. Yeah, 129th yeah, yeah. anniversary. They're coming up yeah. on 130. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So basically they were there and about 30 years later we came along. Um but that we have we have a church that was birthed out of ours, which is the Mount Calvary Church here, uh, Bishop W. O'Shea oh, Granger. Granger, that yes. oh Calvary came out of Roanoke. Yes, I didn't. I was yes. not aware Back of that. Back in '57. Wow. So so tell me uh, the name Roanoke. Did, was that named after? Uh... <laughs> we do not know. <laughs> We've been trying to figure out. Well, where did the name come? Did somebody live in Roanoke, Virginia? Or what? Because of Virginia, I know. Roanoke, We've never Virginia. gotten an answer. Uh, yeah. There are one or two other Roanoke Baptist churches. Okay, okay. Um, there's one in Texas. Okay. Um, there's a First Baptist of Roanoke, Virginia. Okay. But yeah, it's yeah. It's, that's it's that's a always kind name. of curious about the yeah. the naming of churches because you know in in the black uh, community it's either you know First Second Third Baptist right, great, right. greater <laughs> everything's greater, greater First Baptist. Greater, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, interesting. Interesting. So you grew up. In this community, you had a kind of a window into the life of the community, watching mm-hmm. people in their work. Let me ask you something, because I'm so interested in how um, uh, particularly African-Americans have sustained their life through work mm-hmm. and the entrepreneurial spirit. And so that do you remember black businesses in this yes. community and what yes. were they like? How were they? Um, it was starting to decline as I was growing up, but we do remember those. I do. We had um, neighborhood stores, neighborhood mm-hmm. grocery stores, um, just on the block that I lived. Mm-hmm. Um, my grandparents were both entrepreneurs. My okay. grandmother um, ran a daycare, okay. and my grandfather, he was a professional fisherman, and he had his own uh, fish market, so he would bring wow. his wares, and <laughs> yeah, though he had an area where he could actually cook it. You know, All if right. someone came said, "You know, I want whatever," he would cook oh, and yeah. do what he did. Yeah. And put it together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I even have some skills in okay. the kitchen. <laughs> but um, yeah. we were self-sufficient. Okay. Um, all the seamstresses and mm. tailors mm-hmm. that I knew growing up, mm-hmm. they looked like me mm-hmm. and I looked like them. Mm-hmm. Um, we were very good friends with the Coleman family of Coleman's mm-hmm. funeral home. Yeah. Um, Giselle Coleman and my mother, they attended the same schools. Okay. Uh, I grew up with her son. Mm-hmm. We we're classmates. And of course the late um, Edith Coleman, who just passed a few months ago, mm-hmm. Um, she was like everybody's grandmother. Wow. You know, we, yeah. we, we knew her. Either she taught you at, well, it was Palm View Elementary then, but mm-hmm. UB Kenzie Palm View Elementary, or you just knew her through her grandson. Wow. And we saw that. We mm-hmm. saw the self-sufficiency of the black yeah, community. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a push to, to try and bring that yeah. renaissance. Yeah. And I'm praying and, and I want to be involved yeah, with yeah. it. Um, 
where we get to the place where we are investing in ourselves yeah, again. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think that that was a wonderful time when you saw that kind of spirit mm-hmm. in people. And the, and the question is, what happened? And yeah. why was there such a, a move away from, from that? I don't know if you have a... Some thought about it's that pretty much like been that. the same story mm-hmm. across the country. Mm-hmm. Um, gentrification. Mm-hmm. Um, I can remember growing up being on Fourth and Rosemary before the Grand Theater was torn down. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember barbers on Fourth and Rosemary. I got my haircut uh, where uh, Attorney Boysaw's office is. Um, one side was the barbershop. The other side was um, the store. Okay. And so everybody had their thing. <clears throat> yeah. So they specialized black in. ownership was, was very much a part of that then. The, oh, the yes. property, oh, the yes. land. And a lot of the property and land stayed with the families. Okay. I mentioned uh, attorney Brian Boysaw. Um, that property was in the family. Mm. Um, his... Um, father-in-law's mother owned the store. Wow! Next to the barbershop, okay. she owned the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. And so I remember going to get my hair cut by uh, Mr. Suarez, mm-hmm. and you know, as a kid, you go next door and get your feel on candy and cookies, <laughs> and yeah, yeah. whatever else. Right. Fall asleep, wake up. <laughs> Is it my turn yet? No, right. fall back asleep. Right. <laughs> right, 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 right. But we saw that yeah. we we even had police officers. Yeah. That we knew on a personal level, right? Late Jules Herring and mm. uh, Officer Wells. Yeah, we 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 knew them. You by knew name. a person. You had relate. So yeah. it's it's this relationships mm-hmm. that were a part of the community, and that's uh, you know gentrification uh, and redlining in some areas yes. and things like yes. that. I think have impacted not only the black community, but more importantly, the black family. Mm-hmm. And when I hear you say that a lot of these businesses were family owned. Or in, yes. Yeah. And, definitely. and then passed down mm-hmm. generationally. Um, so uh, that kind of brings me to the, the next point. So I, the one is, I know that you had a lot of people that inspired you. Um, you started in the church when? Talk to me a little bit about oh your relationship to the church. <laughs> The joke is I was almost born in the back door of the church. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> My mother, uh, after okay. I was born, she carried me to the Union Baptist Church. Mm-hmm. And uh, after her passing, I was still going. I was a little baby. My godmother would take me to church. Uh-huh. And because uh, my grandmother was a member of another church, I would go with her often. Okay. But I fell in love with the Union Baptist Church. <laughs> okay. um, at that time. Who was the pastor at that uh, time? Reverend I.S. Clark. Clark was still, Isaiah okay. S. Clark. Yeah, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. He's, he just retired last year, oh, but wow. uh, he had been, been there since 68. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And a young man. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, yeah. When I came along, I got him in his prime. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, got and, him in his and, prime. And my producer told me to turn off my phone, and I thought I had. So <laughs> You know, we preachers don't listen. We don't listen. <laughs> That's right. We're hard-headed. So, so, so Clark um, had, has just retired. Just retired. But So you were there to, to kind of just be with him, and he you grew with him. And Yeah, I did. I, yeah. I grew up in the church. Like I said, 
I, I lived only three houses down from the church. Uh-huh. So I was that kid that when the funeral home came to put a body in, I ran up with the key, <laughs> you know, and would, would, would unlock the door and let them in and what have you. Uh-huh. So I would get to interact with folk and meet different people. But he had this sense about him when it came to children. Mm. He was very cutting edge and very bold about it. Um, he would put young people. I mean, when I say young, I'm talking about teenagers in key positions in church. So he would just say, put put you out there. Yeah. <laughs> and it was unheard of. And it wasn't that he didn't have other choices. There were plenty of adults around. Okay. But it was his way of grooming and discipling us. Mm. I didn't understand that then. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But now that I sit back sure. at 47 yeah. and realize that I was on the finance committee counting the offerings and the tithes at 12 years old. Wow. Wow. It groomed me to... to a point that I saw everything that goes yeah. on in church. Wow, wow. And so. Yeah, you know, uh, some of the, the scholars who have written about the black church mm-hmm. uh, have uh, have often talked about the, the church giving uh, blacks an opportunity to be able to use their gifts. Yes. At a young age. It's an incubator. Yeah, yeah. That doesn't happen in our counterparts. It does not happen in the majority culture where they don't have that kind of experience at such a young age. Yes. yes. So, and look at the, as we talked a little bit about the singers that have come out of, Mm -hmm. out of the church who have gone on to have stellar careers in the secular world. So, but even being able to get up in front of people and talk, we learn leadership. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I can recall uh, the days of the junior deacon, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. Yeah, I'm dating I was myself. I, was yeah. Yeah. I skipped that part yeah, because yeah. I started preaching early, <laughs> but I was in line to be one. Right. But, uh, you got elevated real soon. Yes. So how old were you when you started preaching? I, uh, announced my call at 13, 13. during the summer of 89. Oh, wow. Um, but my pastor being the intellectual that he is, mm. He was not going to have me have my initial sermon without some proper training. <laughs> and so at that time, we had um, uh, courses that were underwritten by Morehouse mm. at, at the church. Mm-hmm. And so I'm a freshman in high school by day, mm-hmm. Bible college student <laughs> by, by night. night. <laughs> so it's always been yeah, a part of me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, so, which is good. Yeah. I mean, the fact that your pastor not only said, okay, I know you have a gift. And that's mm-hmm. the other thing that, uh, to be able to recognize giftedness, yes. but then knowing that you've iron sharp sharpens iron. So you've got to sharpen, you've got, you know, you may have the gift, but you need to have something that can help you be able to strengthen yes. what that, yes. that gift is. And for them to be able to give that to you, because mm-hmm. sometimes people don't, they say, oh, yeah, he's got a gift. He's going to be all right. Yeah, to, yeah. To, to see that it needs to be fostered. Yeah, yeah. It has to be nurtured. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I, I don't take um, for granted mm. the um, time and the love that was poured into me mm-hmm. by my pastor. Um, I am who I am to this day because of God and he. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I am. I, yeah, I, I can appreciate that. I had a, a similar uh, pastor, and it just they, it means so much mm-hmm. when you have that kind of elder leadership and that elder statesman that you can look 
and watch uh, how they do things. Yes. So, so you're preaching at, at a young, you were still wet behind you. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to do what? Yeah, 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 yeah. But um, the impact that must have had on other young people your age yeah. too, that, that had to be a, a, a wonderful thing because I'm sure young people draw young people. Exactly. That's how it exactly. works. And so I'm sure your church was blessed by that to have youth to come in through that as a result of you. Yeah. Now I didn't really think I was making that much of an impact then, mm-hmm. but years later hearing it, mm-hmm. uh, as a matter of fact, today um, we normally have uh, our noonday prayer and praise mm-hmm. on Wednesdays. And one of our members said to me, I know a childhood friend of yours. I said, Oh really? And she started talking and she said, she happened to be telling him, the church she was a member of and who her pastor was. And he says, Oh, that's nothing new. We knew he was going to be a preacher when he was two. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know? Wow. But, uh, yeah. yeah it's well, just been hey, a- you know, and when you start young, I always tell people, uh, a lot of my friends I went to school with, I said, I started young, mm-hmm. you know, I was, pa- I was, I was preaching at 17. I was pastoring at 22. Yeah, you know, yeah. and they say, "Well, well you're youth," and I said, "Yeah, but it was more time for God to be able to use me." Yes, and yes. and as a result of that, God has blessed mm-hmm. the years following. Many of the ones that were rejecting the church when I was growing up came to me and asked for advice and ask actually gave their life to the Lord later on in life. Yes. But I think about all the years that were wasted, but that they could have been given mm-hmm. to the Lord. Yeah. So I'm, I'm so refreshing to hear how you came to the Lord at such a young age. I love that. I yeah. actually accepted Christ. I was mm-hmm. five years old. Mm-hmm. Some say, Oh, you don't know what you're doing at that time. No, there are, Levels to it, of course, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but a, a a basic understanding of, mm-hmm. of of salvation. Yeah, yeah. When you are properly taught, mm-hmm. it can be grasped. Yeah, at yeah. some very early ages. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Accepted Christ at five. Preached my first sermon at fourteen. Pastored my first church and the church I'm at right now. At 25. Yeah, yeah. I just celebrated 21 years. Wow, wow. Well, yeah. congratulations Two weeks ago. on Thank that you. too. So now, okay, so now I got into that part. That's the fun part, talking mm-hmm. about you. So tell me about the greatest challenges that have been, uh, what have you kind of thought may have been the greatest challenge to being in ministry? Greatest challenge to ministry? Um and I have to contextualize it to where I am now. Mm-hmm. Um, being as young mm-hmm. at 25 years old, and you know, with you pastoring mm-hmm. at 22, yeah. I know you'll be able to appreciate what I'm yeah. about to say. This little boy <laughs> is going to tell us what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah, right, right. Uh, I had several members of the church that I'm pastoring who taught me in school. Mm-hmm. So the roles were reversed. Sure, yeah. And... I really thought I would have the most resistance from yeah, some of them, but yeah. it, it came from some other areas. Yeah, yeah. But that is that is the challenge. That is a because challenge. you come in, yeah, you're gung-ho, you have all these fresh <laughs> ideas, yeah. 
And some of them, some of those ideas, you yeah. still have them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, I, they I, never came they to fruition, right. but you have them. Yeah, I never forget a lady named Sister Gooch in my church, Sister Gooch. And she said, I changed your diapers. <laughs> they will remind me. you. Yeah. They will remind yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, that, that, I guess that would be, yeah. yeah. What other might be challenges as a ministry? The challenge of... Academics. Okay. It's not as popular. Okay. I guess it would be the best so, term. So what you're saying is not just the fact that of you actually going to school, mm-hmm. but it's the perception that the church has about academics? Yes. It, okay. it almost seems as if it's you're less spiritual mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. if you get it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and especially from an accredited university. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's yeah. A, there's oh, a big so there's difference. A, there's a distinction? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you mean to tell me that there's a distinction between? I told, I told the congregant Sunday, I said, this did not come from a diploma mill. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> I had to work for this. <laughs> yes, 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 indeed. Yeah. There is a yeah. difference in the, the yeah. quality of learning and in education. But so, so you're saying that in many cases, there's a lack of an appreciation. Yes, for, yes. For I know you've level. heard the quip. Yeah. Um, the 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 play on words, mm-hmm. the pun. Uh, you're going to cemetery, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah uh, as yeah. opposed to seminary. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know that has its own yeah. mentality. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. it's almost as you're not on fire. Yeah, you've yeah. been cooled off. Yeah, right, right. But no, yeah. I have more logs now to put on the yeah, fire. That's right. Yeah, I, I make remember, it burn a little brighter. Yes, yeah, sir. <laughs> I remember someone telling me one. I had preached at a church, and after I preached, I did. You know, they had talked about my degrees and so forth. And then after the sermon, I preached, and then a lady came to me and she said, "I didn't know you could preach." I knew you were a teacher. I didn't know you could preach. As if there's really a big difference, a, right? Yeah. A, yeah. <laughs> okay. So in that tradition mm-hmm. that if you are uh, a called preacher, you, you really don't need that seminary. Right. You can just just, right. just preach. Yeah. So Open your mouth and God yeah, will speak and God for God you. Goes to be, that's right. I only know, I've known him to tell Moses that, right. but. Right. <laughs> <laughs> wow, yeah. So so uh so that's a challenge and that is helping people to understand the value yes of uh, a learned clergy. Mm-hmm. Uh and all the difference makers that we know historically have been learned men, certainly, you know? certainly. So so Dr. Jeremiah Wright. Jeremiah Wright. Dr. King Dr. himself. King, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the list goes on and yeah, on. Yeah, W. Wyatt. Uh, Y.T. Walker, Walker, yes, yes. You know, all these who are brilliant minds, you know. uh, And they have to shape us. Yes, that's right, yeah. Yeah. Um, Family DeWitt Proctor. That's right, Proctor, (laughs) yeah, my professor at at United. So when we talk about uh, education, let me take it another step. Mm -hmm. Then in your success, and by the way, congratulations on your achieving your graduate degree, your Thank terminal you. degree, and Master's of Divinity. Um, what have been some of your greatest successes in ministry? I would say the greatest success, if we can call it success, but is to see lives transformed. Mm-hmm. 
and I mean really see them transform mm-hmm. from what you knew they were mm-hmm. to what the Lord had them to become. Yeah. And are still in the process of becoming. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I've I've witnessed persons who were drug addicted. Mm-hmm. And the only program we had at the time hmm. was the gospel of Jesus Christ. All right. Yeah. And there's power there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's transformation. Yeah. Power. Yeah. And to to witness it mm-hmm. firsthand, to actually see it mm-hmm. living and breathing, mm-hmm. I think that's the greatest success. And that's that's my only purpose of yeah. preaching. Yeah. 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 To yeah. see life I think that when we when we really um, accept the fact that we are called to make a difference in yes. people's lives. Yes. And that, that is the greatest, what, what a better reward can there be than that? So in this idea of success also, um, not only the challenge, but have you, what lessons have you learned through the process? I have been taught patience. Okay. If you don't have any, you will. <laughs> okay. And okay. one of the things I, I, I really use as a barometer mm-hmm. when challenges come, not every hill you get to is Calvary. Mm, okay. All right. So not every hill is so, worth dying on. That's right. So yeah. you got you got choose. Some things you yeah you got to choose your battles your, your carefully. Battles. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> carefully. Yeah. 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 So so patience. Yeah. Um, what other? Is there other lessons? Patience is a great virtue. Yes. A lot of um, being able to see. Well, we talked about lives transformed, but mm-hmm. even see generations. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a generational church. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there are great grandparents mm. in the same building with their great grandchildren. That's awesome. Yeah, that's and awesome. all the generations between. That's awesome. Yeah, uh, that's <clears> awesome. <throat> that's that's rare today. Yeah. Particularly yeah. in uh, the black now, that church, that used to be our yeah. thing. That, that's, that's right. That's what happened. Yeah. You know? So, so I, you, you could give some per, some advice to some pastors who are saying, "But I've lost my young people." Mm-hmm. Then mm-hmm. what is it that has kept the young people coming to your church? We're limping with this pandemic, of course. Mm-hmm. But what I've noticed is that um, it's almost a each one, reach one type of thing. Mm-hmm. If you can get the family together, yeah. Yeah. usually if you, if you can convince the father, mm. if the father's present, whomever the head of that house is, if you can convince them yeah. the others will that generally. there's a need yeah. for Christ, yeah. Yeah. they'll bring their children. Mm-hmm. But the flip side happens too. If you have a viable program for the children, they'll bring their friends who yeah. are unchurched. Yeah. yeah, they'll eventually bring their parents because yeah. they want to see what is, what is going on with my child because yeah. I'm seeing a difference. This is the same child that right. I couldn't get to listen in the house. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Now all of a sudden they want to wash dishes. Right, right, right. <laughs> what happened? Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> and yeah. when? Right, right, right. Well, well, that but you know that uh, does bring me to this question of uh, the millennial generation age that we're in 
do you think that they see church differently than the generation, the boomers and the busters? And how does that impact the way you pastor? Well, that generation, from what I've experienced, Mm -hmm. they are the generation that seeks uh, authenticity. Mm. That generation can- Keep it real. Yes, they can detect a Mm. fraud (laughs) (laughs) three miles away. Yeah, yeah. And um, my generation, they call us the Generation X, Mm -hmm. (coughs) we were the ones who coined the phrase, keep it real. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and those generations that have come behind us have all done the same thing. Mm-hmm. And I think when you are reasonably transparent, mm-hmm. you don't need to tell everything, but mm-hmm. when you're reasonably transparent in the pulpit, people tend to see you as being a real human being. Right rather than this person in this ivory sure. tower. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, how we are with black pastors yeah, and yeah. what have you in our churches, mm-hmm. we put pastors on pedestals. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And anything you put up, yeah. the law of gravity says, it's if it goes up, down. it can come it's down. down. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. And so, so this kind of bifurcation <clears throat> between yeah. pastor and people. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. They need to know you're just as human, mm-hmm. but you don't have to show your whole human side. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, when, when they understand that that um, we have the same kinds of ills, we go mm-hmm. through the same sure. problems, sure. Uh, we have issues financially mm-hmm. and, and otherwise. Sure. You know, it's not like we preach on Sunday and... <laughs> By the end of Sunday, after Sunday dinner, the chariot comes down from heaven, scoops us up, (laughs) takes us back to Eden. No, we live here in the world with everybody else. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So so the other, um, I I don't know if it's a challenge, but the thing that I think we may have to also deal with is uh, the older generation, boomers like me and, you know, uh, Xers, although you're not as old, uh, but <laughs> thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but how do you um, help each to interface with one another? And I think because if the older generation said, "But we've always, you know, we've always done it this way. This yeah. is this is our our tradition," you yeah. know, yeah. and and uh, from what I understand, sometimes they're not as easily willing to give up. Those roles, sometimes. those positions. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes, yeah, most times. But and yeah, and I think yeah. that's at the peril of the church. Mm-hmm. Okay, because if 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 a person is, let's say, sixty five now, if they, I, I'm, I'm not against people being leaders as long as health allows them mm-hmm. to. Mm-hmm. But if you're 85, you've had 20 years to groom others to either take the position you're in Mm -hmm. or take some other positions. Because the worst thing to happen is that the people, the vanguard who holds Mm -hmm. down the Mm -hmm. fort Mm -hmm. die abruptly. Right. And there's no transition. Yeah. It It leaves the church bare. It leaves the church vulnerable. Yeah. 
in academics, <clears throat> we talk about the loss of institutional knowledge. Mm -hmm. And institutional knowledge comes with people who've been a part of the institution. <laughs> so, so what I hear you saying is that that older generation ought to be pouring into. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the, well, they know the ebbs and flows. Right. Now, I think that's one of the things that helped me mm -hmm. coming into a congregation where the median age was about 70. Mm. The previous pastor, uh, I don't know when it happened, but somewhere along the line, we developed a grandfather-grandson relationship. And I wasn't a member of the church, but he would bring me to preach often. Okay. I had friends who were members, family members mm -hmm. there. I had uh, classmates there. So we all knew each other. And he watched me grow up from a child. Okay. Because in order for him to get to his parking space at the old building, he had to come up my street. Okay. So I'd be out there, you know, six, seven years old, just waving. Hey, you know, hi, <laughs> Reverend Alpha, you know. But... <clears throat> It allowed us to interact a lot. Mm -hmm. And as he started waning in years, I would take him to the grocery store because I worked at night mm -hmm. while I was in college. Mm -hmm. And we got to talk a lot. He got to the point where, you know, he would want to go to conventions. I would drive him. And he started pouring in so much. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And it pertained to Roanoke. Mm. And I didn't understand it then because my eyes were not on anybody's church. Because mm -hmm, mm -hmm. at that time, when I returned to West Palm Beach, I was majoring in elementary education. Okay, Church pastoring was the last thing on my mind. Mm -hmm. But he saw something. And when we would talk, it would be always with the mentality like he was saying, I'm making this transition yeah, I want, yeah, I'm, I'm telling yeah. you this for a reason I'm preparing you right for your for your next assignment yes yeah. yes yes it was almost it was really a grooming yeah yeah and that's and that's what older generations yes. should do yes and so the emphasis perhaps we as pastors need to really emphasize that part of it uh even more than we do now yes because, yes. because it's so much so much is lost when we don't that, yeah. You know, so much is lost as well. Mm -hmm. So now, um, the, the other thing is because you have pursued a life of academic uh, endeavor, um, the challenge of pastoring and going to school and being a father, <laughs> you know, uh, being community uh, involved, engaged, mm -hmm. what has that been like for you? Acrobatics. Yeah, you have to really be able to keep the balls in the air. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a juggling act. Yeah. Um, because if you're not careful, something's gonna go lacking. Mm. If you're able to balance academia, church life, family life, you may be neglecting yourself. Mm self-care mm -hmm. and that is so important mm -hmm. because you can't help someone yeah when you need help yourself Absolutely. when you're sick when you're not at optimal levels of health yeah yeah so something does go lacking if you mm -hmm. and and most people don't have that balance mm -hmm. and it's hard to get it yeah uh, but but you have to good, you have to be good. intentional 
That's that's good advice. Yeah. I was because I was going to ask you what advice would you give other pastors? Oh yeah, and uh, that sounds like guard your family. You guard your family. Yeah, guard okay. your family and guard your heart. Guard your heart. Okay. Yeah. All right. Good. 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 And so, in that um, discussion of doing those guarding one's heart, guarding one's family, community community engagement. What what kind of advice? Because I know you've been involved with the community work mm-hmm. and you've been involved with uh, association work with your denomination, the Baptist Church. Right. What are you, what's, tell me something about what do you see the, the role of a pastor and in your involvement in those in the community? I think we have to tap back <clears throat> into the old days where we had that prophetic voice our communities and even the people we serve in our individual churches in the black community Mm -hmm. they need someone to champion their cause they need someone to be bold enough Mm -hmm. and i i've said this a, a few times and i believe i said it on an interview once the black pastor probably is one of the most influential in the community because he can say some things, he can speak truth to power mm-hmm. and not worry about any kind of economic backlash mm-hmm. because he does not get paid right. by the general establishment mm-hmm. or the, the, the broader right. culture. He's not in a secular job, right. his church. <clears throat> if, if he's, he's full-time. If he's full-time, yeah, he has a church that can yeah, do that. If he yeah. has been blessed to have a church that mm-hmm. can afford him a full-time salary, mm-hmm. He's he's the the one to do it, or she's the one, right? Because I'm not gender biased, right? Right. But right, but right. you have that opportunity. Yeah. It's a privilege, mm-hmm. you know, to be able to say I'm not tied down or loyal to anybody right. as far as my livelihood. Right. The church takes care of me. It's my job to take care of the people. Exactly. As best I can, right. you know, and that gives so you much. that prophetic voice yeah, to be yeah, free. Speaks yeah. nothing speak like being to able power, to be yeah. free to speak. Yeah, 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 and not have to get permission. Yeah, yeah, because you know Pharaoh can be something <laughs> to deal with. That's right. That's right. That's right. Those taskmasters. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So that has been, um, I think, uh, a, a very beneficial thing to be a pastor because the independent church, black church movement. One of the things that we often talk about is that the black church was the only uh, institution that was complete business that was completely owned and operated by blacks themselves. Mm -hmm. And then that gives them this level of autonomy and independence to be able to do what they want to do. Speaking of that, your church, are there um, goals that you have set for your congregation that you are ministries that you're working on right now that? you can talk about? Well, currently um, we're reviving a lot of things because as you know, um, the pandemic did a lot to churches. Um, Did you all operate or uh, online only? How did you shut down? For a little while we were, we were just online. Um, Last year in I believe July, Mm -hmm. we went back to in person, but we were hybrid. Okay. Um, We were actually hybrid prior to the pandemic beginning uh, the early part of, of the year. So that part 
wasn't as difficult to navigate, but trying to corral, keep the members together, you're doing something that we didn't have a playbook on. Mm-hmm. We didn't have a blueprint for this. Yeah, yeah have become and creative. So, yeah, yeah, quickly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because, you know, um, mm-hmm. contrary to popular belief, there's no pot of gold Mm-mm. in a black church. Right, right. So, you know, you you miss a couple of weeks of mm-hmm. financial support. Mm-hmm. The bills yeah. keep coming. Yeah, they, they keep coming. They don't, yeah, they don't yeah. care that we're out. Right, that's right. That's <laughs> right. right. Yeah. And so um, what we've been doing, we've been taking our time to do it, um, but not too much time. Mm-hmm. We're reviving those ministries that were already okay. there. Okay. Uh, a lot of our leaders, you know, still around. We've had some to pass on. Uh, some actually fell victim to COVID. Mm, yeah. But uh, yeah. And so that that shook the church. Yeah. Uh, these yeah. were some very good members, some stalwart persons mm, who, yeah. I mean, when I say leaders, they yeah. were leaders. Yeah. Wow. And so we've had to kind of navigate through that mm-hmm. to try and, and, and find the perfect fit, yeah. so to speak. And while you're going through grieving and mourning. Right, yeah, right, yeah, right. Yeah. So we've, we, we've always been involved with community efforts. Yeah. Uh, we have a, an outreach ministry. Mm-hmm. We do feeding. Uh, we've had, we've, partner with other entities mm-hmm. um, to bring fresh produce mm-hmm. uh, to the underserved area. Yeah. Um, we've done clothing drives and um, uh, Christmas time we would uh, give out toys sure. to yeah. um, those who were less fortunate than ourselves. Right. Um, That's great. We've, we've been on that. Yeah. One of the things that time. I've, I've talked, uh, uh, and I like when you said partner with others, because one of the things that I've been really uh, trying to emphasize is the importance of collaboration. Yes. That when we yes, can yes. find somebody that's also going in the direction that we're going in, let's come together and do it together. Um, and so, and I think this is a good area to be able to do that, isn't it? I mean, oh, yeah, this is a, like you it's, say, you yeah, the soil is rich. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the soil is rich. It really yeah, is. Yeah. Now, talk about some of the roles you've served on um, through your associational work. You, hmm. yeah. uh, I was actually at uh, 26, 27 years old, I was president of the Baptist Ministers Conference. Wow. That was an interesting thing. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. uh, even in our denomination here in West Palm Beach mm-hmm. alone, I've been pastoring 21 years, but I'm still the baby of the bunch. <laughs> it's like all this gray hair in my yeah. beard, and I'm still the baby of the bunch. Oh, wow. That's why there's so, gray hair. <laughs> yeah, that's what brought it on. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, you know, I I was leading guys who were in their 60s and 70s, yeah. some 80. Yeah. Wow. Um, I've I've also served as um, moderator of Gold Coast Association, which was a an upstart group. Okay. Um, we were uh, affiliated with another convention for a while. Okay. Uh, I have served in leadership capacities in Florida East Coast Baptist Association. Okay. Currently, I am the recording secretary for the Florida General Baptist Convention. Okay. Uh, Dr. C.P. Preston, president okay. uh, of of that organization. So I've I've been busy. You've been you've yeah. had your hands in a lot, uh, yeah. and you've been serving well. So that's a that's a wonderful thing. And uh, the family, the the boys, you have all boys. Yeah, and they're growing. Yeah, what yeah, are they're ages growing. are they? My oldest is twenty. 20 He's in old. his uh, 
second year of college. Okay. My middle son, uh, my oldest, Maurice, the second, my middle son, uh, Mackay, he is a uh, sophomore at um, Palm Beach Lakes, mm-hmm. my alma mater. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And the youngest, uh, he's seven, Mason. He'll be eight next month. Yeah. He's uh, a student at uh, UB Kinsey, Palm okay. Elementary. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. Yeah, so. Well, I want to have a word of prayer with you, but I want to thank you for sharing with us because I think it's important that people hear what pastors are dealing with and have their experiences that they can share that can inspire others mm-hmm. uh, who may not see the role of pastor as clearly. Yes. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's not for the faint of it's heart. Not, it's not. It's not. It's actually not. Um, but in doing that, I just want to be uh, an encourager to you and to thank you for the work you've done. And again, to congratulate you for staying the course and your academic journey and the difference that you're making in the lives of so many. So let me just pray for, for you. Uh, Certainly. And uh, we, before we dismiss from this place, okay. Eternal God, our Father, we are so grateful for servant leaders, those that you've called, and particularly those who you called even at such a young age, but they have spent their years committed to serving others. Thank you, O oh God, because the fruit has been obviously born through the work that uh, Pastor Maurice Johnson is doing. I pray for his family. I pray for his children. I pray that you would put a hedge around them, protect them, keep them safe. And dear Lord, I pray that you would continue to give uh, Maurice the kind of self-help that he needs to be constantly refreshed and revived to do even greater work. We thank you for his presence here today on this show. And we give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Bless you, my brother. And again, thank you for being on the Power Division. I enjoyed myself. Thanks for the invite. We would like to thank this episode's sponsor, Living Word Christian Community, located at 2390 South Military Trail, West Palm Beach, Florida, 33415, where Dr. Terrell Bird is the lead pastor. The worship service begins at 10.30 a.m. in person, on Facebook, and Instagram Live.